We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is October 24th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia, Luke, week one of Magic Basketball is in the books. How are we feeling? There's a, a lot of different things I'm feeling, Jonathan. Uh, I feel encouraged. At the same time, I feel terrible and emotionless <laughs> because of what has happened and transpired in the last week since you know we've played some games. We've got a little bit of a sample size. You kind of get to see you know, the, the strengths and weaknesses of this team already a lot to clean up, but a lot to, like I said, be encouraged about. I don't know. I, I, I drew a lot from this past week for sure. And uh, I'm very, I, I'd say I'm also in a state of like confusion. I don't know what to make currently. Do you, do you find yourself in the same boat? It's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, a lot of good, some bad you're losing, but you're still like, you know, hopelessly optimistic. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know how to feel, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I know we're going to really break everything down, but just a strange week. I know we're both exhausted. You like just like sleep deprived from just having a baby. Me from just like the whole week and just everything, you know, that that happened to, to start the season, which we'll talk about all of it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I just, I just don't know. I'm super excited about Paolo. I know we're going to talk a lot about Paolo. It just, very, very encouraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to be too excited when you're 0-3. Like, yeah. Thursday after losing to the Pistons, I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, Paolo looked great. We lost. Everything's going to be okay. And then, you know, Kevin and I were in Atlanta for that game. And you, you feel like you have a good chance to win it. You're doing a great job. Some things transpire. Again, we'll cover that game. You lose that game. And they're like, all right, we're flying back home. We got the Boston Celtics at home. You and I were at that game. And mm -hmm. it was just a really great night. We'll get into all of the details. But then you come up short again. It's like, all right, we're, we have plenty of reasons to be hopeful and optimistic. But so far, we've got nothing to show for it. So it is kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's 
you know, the more we get some more games under our belt, we'll be definitely more clearly persuaded which way we should lean. But right now, it's still definitely in the too early to know or tell or really like trust the emotional response you're having. There's, I have no idea. The, the like the optimist and you know the biased homer in me is like everything's gonna be fine but we're oh and three it's like is it really gonna be fine <laughs> like at least at least by this point last year we had a win you know so yeah it was against I don't know. the knicks it was against the knicks who are we'll, we'll talk about the knicks or today as you're we'll, listening we'll, to this. yeah as you're listening to this so all right folks we teased um i think it was on the last episode when we announced the winner of the shack jersey that we were going to do Something really special for our patrons because really they're the ones that made that last giveaway happen. And you know, shout out to our boy Mike that that won that jersey. We actually got to meet him um, yeah. on, on Saturday night at the home opener, which was a lot of fun. But like I said, we teased we're doing another giveaway, and we're doing another giveaway. I can't believe we're already doing it this fast, but the response to the last one was just so great. It's like, eh, why don't why don't we just go ahead and, and do another one? But we're doing this one. Specifically for our patrons, you know the people that help financially support the show every single week. Uh, we just want to like do a, a super big thank you to them. So I think like as big as the last giveaway was, I think this one, Luke, we're even taking it up a notch. So we've got yeah. a first place prize and we've got a second place prize. So everybody loves Shaquille O'Neal, right? Iconic jersey that we just gave away, a signed Orlando Magic Shaquille O'Neal jersey. But there's one jersey in particular that I think is arguably a little bit more special just because it's more rare. I have yeah. one of these myself and it took me forever to track it down. So arguably the third best magic player of all time, definitely the best scorer in Orlando magic history, arguably the most talented player in Orlando magic history. Definitely one of the most iconic. That is for certain. We are giving away a Tracy McGrady signed Jersey. And this is tough because yes, I do have one. But this is my favorite player. I know there's a lot of your favorite players. Uh, but we're going to be giving away a signed Tracy McGrady jersey. I do not have it in my hands yet. It's supposed to get delivered tomorrow. So as soon as I get that, I'll be posting photos of that. It's it's the same one as the Shaq. It's the the black and white pinstripes. So one of the the, the throwbacks that T-Mac wore in his time here. Um, but yeah, Tracy is a guy that doesn't really sign very often. And when he does... They go very, very quickly. So it's a pretty rare jersey to have. Um, I really don't know many people that that have signed Tracy McGrady jerseys. So really excited to give that away. And then the second place prize is going to be two tickets uh, to two separate games. So this Friday's game against the Charlotte Hornets at home on October 28th. And then on November 5th, the home game against the Sacramento Kings. So two tickets to the Hornets game two tickets to the Kings game. And to go along with that, we are giving away a statement jersey. So a statement, whoever you want, whatever player, if you want it to be Paolo, Wendell Carter Jr., Franz, Markel, you tell us who you want on that jersey and we will get you that. Now those jerseys are not going to be out until the you know beginning or the middle of December at the absolute earliest. So we are going to have to give you a little bit of like an IOU on that. Uh, so first place prize, the signed Tracy McGrady jersey. Second place prize is the two sets of tickets to the the Hornets game and the Kings, uh, as well as a statement jersey of your choosing. So the way that we're going to do this is for our patrons. So you do have to be a patron to be able to win this. But if you're not a patron already, it is not too late. 
to make this fair to our existing patrons, those people that have been holding us down since day one, if you are already a Hall of Fame or All-Star tier patron with us, uh, you automatically get two entries. You get two entries for being an existing patron. And if you join the patron between now and uh, Wednesday, basically, uh, Wednesday afternoon, essentially, before we record the podcast that's going to come out on Thursday, you'll get one entry. So you do have to join again as a Hall of Fame or All-Star tier patron. And if you want to find us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. So there's going to be two winners for that. uh, And we'll announce that on the episode for Thursday morning, Luke. Sweet. That's uh, two sets of tickets, man. That that second place prize is, is juicy regardless. So obviously that first place, getting the jersey. Second place, especially if you're a local. You know, I think that it's it's well constructed, Jonathan, because if you're not a local and you're, we have many patrons that aren't local. So if you're unable to receive these tickets, whatever it might be, or you just want you were not able, at least you also will get that statement jersey of your choice, kind of your pick of whoever you want. You know, do you want a little Paolo? Do you want a little Win Daddy? A little Franz? Markel? So many young guys to choose from and, and choose a jersey for. So I'm very jealous of whoever will win that as well. Obviously, that first place prize is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, like you said, quick turnaround, but it's a it's a fun one. We we love doing giveaways and being able to give back to our our patrons that you know put so much um, just support into the show. I think this is a, a well worth it giveaway um, and pretty pretty awesome, pretty fitting that it's honestly, in my opinion, a better all around giveaway with that first and second prize than the the Shaq jersey. Yeah, and we wanted to do something because we know that we have a lot of you know patrons that are either out of state or international that right. wouldn't be able to you know go to a game. So uh, we want to make sure there's something for you guys that you guys can win too. So again, uh, find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Join either the all-star tier or the Hall of Fame tier uh, to be able to join. Uh, let's say the cutoff is going to be like seven o'clock Wednesday evening, like right before we record. Yeah. So that we'll have that list in place so that we'll be able to run that giveaway and announce the winners. And we'll announce the winners on Thursday's episode. Usually we release that like anywhere between like midnight and 2, 3 a.m. typically. Um, so make sure that you tune in early Thursday to make sure, you know, if, if you won those tickets so you can plan accordingly so that you can make plans to get to those games. All right, Luke, let's talk about the magic. As we are getting back into the swing of things in the regular season, each week we go through the weekly state of the Magic just to give you an update on how the Magic did this week, kind of how they're doing on the season, where they are in terms of standings, you know, offensive rating, defensive rating, overall net rating, any injury updates, things like that. So we do this each week during the regular season. So the first week of the season, your Orlando Magic went 0-3. Uh, right now they're tied with the 76ers for the worst record in the East which if you would have told me that a week ago, I'd be pretty surprised to hear that. They are tied with several teams, however, for the worst record in the league. I think right now there's like four or five teams that are uh, 0-3 or 0-2. There may even be more at this point. On the season so far, the Magic have an offensive rating of 108.3, which right now is good for 22nd in the league. And they have a defensive rating of 114.5, which ranks 21st in the league. Their overall net rating is negative 6.2 which is good for 22nd in the league. However, they are 15th in overall free throw rate in the entire league. 
for the better part of the last decade, the Magic have been towards the bottom of the league in that regard. A lot of that has to do with Paolo Bancaro, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. Jalen Suggs suffered a sprained ankle in the third quarter on Friday night in Atlanta against the Hawks. Right now, he is out indefinitely. He got an MRI. They confirmed the sprained ankle, and he's just gonna his return again is going to be dependent upon how he responds to treatment. Hopefully, it won't be too long. I mean, we saw Franz you know, sprained both ankles last season, came back pretty quickly. Uh, with Jalen, um, this is the right ankle. I think the ankle that he had surgery on was the left ankle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we can take a look at that. But history of ankle injuries, the Magic might be a little bit uh, cautious in you know how quickly they bring him back. We saw him come back really quickly from the hyperextended knee. So we'll see how quickly Jalen responds uh, to injury, but he looked like he was in a lot of pain. Uh, Kevin and I had a like perfect uh, view of the Magic bench, and as he was walking back to the bench, because he rolls the ankle, can barely stand on it to even shoot the free throws. As he's walking back to the bench, just hobbling, he's yelling, I rolled the F out of it. I rolled the F out of it. On the replay, it really didn't look that bad. Uh, he kind of rolls it as he's going up. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully it's not too bad, and hopefully he'll be back soon. And then on the injury front, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris, Mo Wagner all remain out. Everybody knows those guys still do not have timetables. So let's break down Friday night and Atlanta first. So um, Kevin drove over from Savannah. I flew up uh, from Tampa uh, to go to the Atlanta game. Kevin and I got a little uh, Mexican cuisine, uh, a little uh, you know, late breakfast, early lunch, I guess it was for us. And then Kevin hooked us up, got us a, a tour of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you know, where the Falcons play. So we went and got to check that out. That was super cool. And then we just hung out, went to a bar downtown Atlanta, just right outside State Farm Arena, got to meet some other Magic fans. Our boy Armin and his girlfriend drove down from Virginia to Atlanta for that game. And then they drove straight to Orlando for the game on Saturday. And I think Monday afternoon, they're driving all the way back to Virginia. So good on you, Armin, man. Good to see you. It's good to meet everybody else in Atlanta. This was Cole's season debut, Luke. You remember he missed you know, the game against Detroit with the illness. We're guessing it was some kind of stomach virus, but um, he was listed as questionable, and then he was a game-time decision. So we felt like he was kind of trending in the direction and making his debut uh, in Atlanta. But, Luke, this one, the inability really to create offense consistently in the half court Turnovers and then Trey Young late game shot making led to a 98 to 108 loss in Atlanta. Trey Young two points at the half, really uh, mostly due to Jalen Suggs' defense, but then he goes off for 17 in the third, six in the fourth quarter. We fast forward to the fourth. The Magic were down seven with three minutes 21 seconds to go. Hawks are inbounding underneath their own basket with 1.6 on the shot clock. Kevin and I turn to each other and we say, "The only thing that can't happen here." is Trey catch and just hit some kind of crazy three. That's exactly what happens. Pushes the lead to 10. Two possessions later, no one scores. Cole turns the ball over, which leads to a Trey Young transition three. Makes it a 13-point lead with two minutes, 40 seconds left. The Magic cannot come back in this one. Lose 98 to 108, lose 98 to 108 in Atlanta to the Hawks, Luke. Yeah, um, not, not great. Um, it, it really can be summed up, obviously, like, Basketball is very much referred to as just like the tale of two halves. That was the case. It was the case for Trey Young. And in return, it was the case for the Magic. And you walk away from that game and you're thinking, man, it's a good thing Trey wasn't on all game. Because when a star player is on all game, which we found out against Boston at the home opener, 
it's not a great recipe for success. But yeah, it all boils down to Trey Young. Uh, Jalen goes out with that injury. Things really start to take a turn uh, downward. Sometimes things like that, whether it be injuries or technical fouls, things like that can fire a team up and get them going. But I think this Magic team has been so just obliterated by injury and the injury bug itself that it quite literally had the opposite effect. Things started going wrong. Trey started going off even more. Like you just couldn't do anything to contain him. And then the Magic end up, you know, scoring what, 17 points in the fourth. So where that offense had been decent all game, right? Like they had been fine. 27 points in the first, 27 in the second, 27 in the third. Very consistent. Good numbers. And then you just can't put up a dud in that fourth quarter. That is literally the last thing that you can do against a team like the Hawks and a guy like Trey Young who's just heating up. So it, it, you know, obviously stinks. John Collins has a good first half and really a good game altogether, 23 points. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, um, DeAndre Hunter looked good early. The first few possessions of the first half, he ends with a good, you know, point total as well. The, the Hawks just really are well-balanced. One young guy is going to beat you if the other one doesn't. So it it is what it is. But, I mean, how was it being there in State Farm Arena? What was the arena like, I guess, too? I'm just curious about that as well as like the, the fan interactions. Was there any fun and fan interaction banter or anything? Well, so State Farm Arena, like we walked. Um, I, I really honestly, I, I think it was from like the east, like towards State Farm Arena. And when we were coming in, like there's entrances towards the front. And then there's also another area where you can kind of like walk down the steps and like then walk in. So you first mm-hmm. walk in. And Kevin and I are like, oh, we're, we're just going to walk right in. Like, there's not even a line. They open up the doors uh, like 75 minutes before the game starts. Uh, but there's one area that's just for season ticket holders. They can walk in even earlier than that. But so State Farm Arena is like kind of connected to like the CNN center there. And there's almost like a, a, a like tunnel between the two buildings that connects the two of them. Mm. So when you walk in, there's the line, people waiting to walk through the gates they direct you to literally walk through all of these people all the way to the end and then kind of wrap around and get in line, which was like really weird. Uh, but we saw a lot of Magic fans like in line. We're like, okay, this is actually turning out to be a, a pretty good Magic crowd. And we had talked to some people on social media that were going to be there. But really, really nice arena. Kevin was telling me that um, you know, not all that long ago, they just like completely remodeled everything. Uh, Kevin had been there like 15 years ago and he said, everything was completely different. Like they redid it from the ground up. I really like the way that the seating is set up at state farm arena. Like if you're familiar with, you know, Amway where the magic play on the baseline, there's like three or four rows of, of floor seats. And then there's that like pretty big walkway before you start to get to, you know, the, the other section of a fan seating on the baseline. And it's, you know, you're about like four or five feet up off of the ground at Amway. At State Farm Arena, where the Hawks play, it's like four rows of seating on the floor, maybe like a three-foot walkway where like two people can you know, walk past each other. And then the seats are like three feet up off the ground. Um, so you, you just feel like you're like really on top of the floor. And then at Amway, where the top is like really so open, State Farm Arena, like it feels like 
it's kind of tiered. So everyone is kind of on top of the floor. So when those folks started getting loud, it was like really a, a good environment. They also have like a designated supporter section for like their diehard fans that are going to you know scream a lot. They're screaming pretty dumb things at a lot of our players, but um, it, it definitely added to the atmosphere, especially early in the game when there weren't that many fans there, them having that section, which is strategically placed by the visitors bench. So they can mm. like really hear, you know, the, the other team's fans. So it was a good experience. There's definitely some banter, uh, some friendly banter between, you know, myself and Kevin and some of the Hawks fans that were around us. You know, some other areas, there was some not so, you know, friendly banter that was going on. But for the most part, it, you know, it was a fun game really until Trey Young started, uh, you know, getting going in the, the second half. And then it really wasn't that fun because then the whole arena is just going crazy. You can tell they're, the, they're just waiting for Trey to pop off the entire building the whole game. Yeah. Um, obviously, right? Like he has that terrible, abysmal first half. Um, also, I want to add Cole Anthony's performance against the Hawks really justifies what I was thinking and what I've been saying since the Detroit game, which isn't a hot take, but just that if Cole Anthony plays that game against Detroit, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a contest coming down to the end. Like I think the magic take care of business far before the buzzer sounds. So a little bit of, a little bit frustrating to see me, you know, be, there's, there's no argument after seeing him, in that game, after seeing him against Boston, really sucks um, and just continues to really play to the fact that, you know, all of us are saying, if we can just get healthy, this team can win games. We're so close. And it it just came down to Jalen Suggs being injured against the Hawks. And just you, you're not enough. Like when if you don't have a fully healthy roster, that's a great Hawks team. So I am not by any stretch mad about that loss if there's a loss so far i'm mad about it's the detroit one and that's really it well i think you know you mentioned it jalen goes down in the third quarter and it's almost like the wind like got pulled out of the magic sails and as frustrated as we are as fans of like it's just it feels like every handful of games somebody is going out with something whether it's an illness or you know a, a sprained ankle or whatever the case may or a hyperextended knee whatever just feels like we can never stay healthy and these guys who as much as we put into this team like it's it's their job it's their life essentially you know what i mean so it's got to be super frustrating for them but i thought you know part of the 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 fourth quarter struggles um we're just like we're gonna we're gonna walk the ball up and then we're just gonna run dribble handoffs like side to side there's no action towards the rim it's just run side to side until somebody either sees a lane or we can get an open three. And it was, it felt like four or five possessions in a row where it was just like, okay, I'm going to bring the ball up. We're going to run a dribble handoff to the left side. There's no, there's no way for me to get to the rim. All right, let's run a dribble handoff to the right side. And it was just that back and forth. It just didn't really feel like anybody was uh, really being aggressive and trying to get to the free throw line. Um, but like you said, Cole Anthony, if it wasn't for Cole Anthony, the Magic are blown out in this game. 25 points for him, 8 of 12 from the floor. Four or five from the three-point line, especially from the left wing in the first half. Cole just could not miss. Uh, looked incredible. Another 20-point game for the rookie. 20 points, six of 18 from the floor. One of six from the three-point line. A lot of those came late in the game when it felt like the Magic just needed to score quickly uh, and really needed to make up that deficit. So I don't hold too much of that against him. But he left uh, or led all rebounds, rather, with 
uh, led all rebounders with 12 for the Magic in this game. Wendell Carter, uh, I think we can talk about this, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 4 of 13 from the floor, 0 of 7 from the three-point line. When we got there, it was Wendell, Admiral Schofield, Mo Bamba, and Terrence Ross that are like really going through their warm-ups. Wendell finishes with his warm-ups. You know, each player goes through their warm-ups, and they get with an assistant coach, and they go over film on one of the iPads um, you know, before they head back to the locker room. And Wendell does that. And Kevin pointed out that he's just like holding in like his right wrist and like flexing his hand as if something's wrong. And then a few minutes later, somebody that Wendell knew saw him and, and walks over and sits down to Wendell on the bench. And he's like looking at his hand and, and telling them like something's going on with his wrist. And then he comes out and the wrist was wrapped in the first half. I think later on in the game, the the, the wrap came off. But Wendell, 0 of 7 from the three-point line, uh, just really not shooting the ball well from behind the arc like he was at the beginning of, of last year. And you know Wendell hits a couple of those threes, and this is a completely different ball game. But for me, you know, it just came down to turnovers. Again, 19 turnovers for the Magic, just inconsistent offense in the second half. And then you do a great job on Trey, you know, in the first half. And then he just goes crazy in the second. He was able to put the game away from them. Uh, Justin Holiday was also really big for them in the second half. Uh, it's one of the holidays, right? Yeah, it is Justin Holiday. Yeah, Justin Holiday hit two big threes in the second half. Uh, DeJounte Murray was also making plays, like you mentioned, John Collins. This is a team that, you know, expects to be, you know, in, in the, the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. You know, made the the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. So, uh, just a talented team, and like you said, without the Magic uh, really being healthy, um, it, it's going to be tough to to win games, especially against a good team. Yeah, and what I'll say as well, just to real quickly speak to Dell's performance, I was still encouraged by his ability to get to the free throw line against Atlanta, shoot seven free throws in that game. Um, but the weird thing is, is that it it did feel like he was definitely forcing the shot at that point, right? Like you, you, you want your shooters to shoot, but just for context, he shot two threes in the Detroit game, one for two, definitely not forcing it. And then shot one for one against Boston uh, the other night. So maybe a little bit of forcing it, but at the heart, at the same time, it's like, you know, he was, just a little bit below league average three point shooter. There's just like in no circumstance do I want you shooting seven threes, especially if you're not making them. Um, I get it's frustrating. We saw Palo and Bo- against Boston struggle to start the game from three, it was like oh four, and he kept shooting until the lid came off for him. So I get trying to shoot yourself out of it, but at some point, man, like it's just not worth it. Just do the other things, little things right, the things you always do. Rebound well if you're Wendell. Get to the free throw line like he did. Um, you know, obviously just you can run an offense through Dell, just work it out of the high post, whatever it might be. I don't know, man. It was it was a little bit frustrating, obviously. Like after he misses four or five, you're like, dude, like, please just pass the ball. Let's get into a different action. I don't need you shooting that three. And it like it it, it, to me, it felt more like they he was like settling, which might be what you mean. Like I didn't feel like they were like necessarily forced. Right. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. I got to take a three right now. It was he was being left wide open, and yeah. this night, like for good reason. Like you said, you know, oh seven. But yeah, after like the fourth, the fifth, even the sixth one, it's like, all right, maybe maybe let's pass up this shot right now. But yeah, there's you know, a reason you're open. Like that, that's he, always what I say. Like there's a reason you're that wide open. 
and they just knew it wasn't falling. So yeah, yeah, I, I maybe something's going on with the wrist. I mean, you know, if we look at his stats on the season right now. 13.3 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, right now, he's shooting 44% from the floor. You know, last year, he was close to 60, I'm pretty sure, 20% from the three-point line right now. I think something's going on with that wrist. I mean, it, it wasn't nothing you know, that we were watching him sit there, hold it, you know, grimacing. I don't know if it was wrapped last night against the Celtics, but um, in Atlanta, it, it definitely seemed to be bothering him. And if that's your shooting wrist, which his right wrist is his shooting wrist, that's that's gonna bother you, you know. Regardless, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna mess with your shot. So, hopefully, it's nothing. Hopefully, he's able to you know heal up and just kind of you know, get back to form. Because just quite frankly, right now, um, this isn't the window that we expected, you know, to to, to start the season. And um, there may be a, a number of reasons for that. I don't think he's getting you know uh, focused offensively as much as last year. I think a big part of that is Paolo, like you know, Paolo and and Franz right now. I believe uh, are leading the team in field goal attempts per game. Yeah, it's Paolo at eighteen. And then Franz at 15, Cole's at 12, Terrence at 12, and then Wendell's fifth at 11.3. And I'm pretty sure Wendell was like second on the team last year. So a little bit of an adjustment for Wendell, but I'm sure that he's going to you know hit his stride and, and get right back on track pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, again, the Magic lose 98 to 108 in Atlanta against the Hawks. If you did not listen to the beginning of the episode, uh, which I have no idea how you got here if you didn't, <laughs> uh, we do have a Patreon channel now. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show uh, starting at $2 a month plus some other awesome tiers of benefits. You can help financially support the show to help us do things like future giveaways and upgrade equipment and you know purchase other resources to help make the show better and just make the best content that we possibly can for you all. Uh, each week that we get new patrons, we shout out brand new patrons on every episode. Shout out to Mike Raheem who went with the whole yearly all-star tier Patreon membership here. Mike Raheem, the the gentleman that won the Shaquille O'Neal jersey from us last week, he said, you know what? I really appreciate this, guys. I want to be part of, of this you know, in the future, just kind of help support the show. So Mike Raheem went ahead and is you know, partnering with us for the entire year. So big shout out to Mike. Really, really appreciate that. And then on top of shouting out our brand new patrons, uh, we shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons, which is our $10 tier. We shout out those patrons every single week. We'll go ahead and do that now. Shout out Court Cousins. I know our guys are going to be in MSG for the game against the Knicks on Monday, so I hope you guys have a lot of fun. Hopefully you can bring us some luck and we'll get a W against the Knicks. Shout out Armin. Hope that you're getting home safely. Shout out Carson Tulo. Carson Tulo, we were finally able to meet him in Atlanta. I think he lives in Alabama and drove over to Atlanta for the game, so it was really nice getting the chance to meet him. Uh, Jonathan Borges, normal. Magic player history, Bailey. Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Salapong, Franz Go to Fichot, Ryan Singh, The Distract, Luke's Mom, I'm Ron Burgundy, Pierre A, Migzors, Dylan Holden. Dylan and his mom, they flew down from Maryland for the home opener for the Celtics game. Got to meet them. It was really good meeting you, bro. Uh, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Breadhead, Brian Leggins, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Ligon, and Jose Esquilin. Thank you guys so much for partnering with the show. You help make everything that we do possible. Again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, I want to talk about the game that we were at on Saturday against the Boston Celtics. But before we get into the game, I want to talk about kind of what the expectation was heading into this game, just in terms of the crowd. And I want to spend a minute us just talking about the crowd uh, Saturday night at Amway because I thought it was awesome. 
So we heard ahead of time that the Magic were expecting like a 60-40 split, like Celtics fans to Magic fans. It was going to be over 50% Celtics fans. So I went in like with the mentality like, like this year is supposed to be different. We have the number one overall pick. There's all this energy around the stadium. Everyone's telling us. Everyone's talking about the team. You're at the barbershop, and for the first time in years, everyone's talking about the Magic. There's just an excitement and electricity around the city, around the team. So we were like, we got to go in, folks, and we got to go to war. Like our lives depend on it tonight. And every time these Celtics fans start getting rowdy, we got to drown them out, Luke. What were your thoughts on the crowd just in general Saturday night? It was a lot. but So I get out of my car at the Geico garage. I get in the elevator. And wouldn't you know it, the first thing I see, first people I see is just a family of Celtics fans. <laughs> uh, and I was like, this does not set the, the tone for me very well. And so I uh, I texted you guys and told you guys that. And Kevin was like, yep, get used to it. And, uh, and, and so I was like, I hope not, but I'm, I've been fully expecting up to that point. Like it's going to be a lot of Celtics fans and it I was really, there, there was a I good hate, amount. Go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to preface real fast. Last year, Kevin and I were at the home opener against the Knicks and we sat close to where you and I were, but we were a little bit closer mm-hmm. to the, the Knicks bench and it was the worst experience I've ever had at Amway. So Kevin was expecting us to experience that last night. Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully it wasn't, it didn't end up being that, but from the start of me getting out of my car, I just was going in with the expectation. Okay. It's going to be a lot of Celtics fans, whatever. This is not something that we're not used to as magic fans going against big market teams, unfortunately, but we go in, we, we go into the Harry Buffalo where we met a lot of people. Um, even, uh, Mike Miller was there. Name drop. Mike Miller was there. At Harry Mike Buffalo. Miller. Mike Miller was there. And uh, grabbed a drink before the game. Well, I because I saw something on Twitter. Uh, shout out Matty World Peace. Um, he put out something on Twitter that made me aware. Uh, I think he said that he just he was like, I just told Mike Miller, thanks for getting us a real one or something like that. Um, and so I DM'd him and I was like, Hey, is this? Are you like? Someone was like, Where is this at? And he was like, Harry Buffalo. So I was like, oh, Are you serious? And he was like, Yeah, man, he's here. So I was like, Okay, got to get over there. Of course, I get halfway over there. Realize I left my wallet in the car. That's beside the point. Um, off to a really hot start, honestly. And then, but no, we walk in and we we go find our boy Mike Miller. We introduce ourselves, and then we come to find like there's not many Celtics fans in Harry Buffalo. Apparently, they were there a little earlier, but for the most part, it really was mainly Magic fans at Harry Buffalo, which was super nice. Got to meet a ton of you guys. But then we go to the arena. Definitely a lot. That green, as you also said last night in our group chat, just pops. Like it's hard to know how many people are there because how many Celtics fans are there because it just seems like there's a million of them, even though there might not be just because of their stupid bright green jerseys. Um, and it's everywhere. People with Tatum jerseys, kid, I just want to punch him in the face uh, by the end of the game. <laughs> We're in a Celtics finals Tatum jersey. Point to the finals patch like they want it. It was stupid. Um, but all that to say, our fearless, fearless leader, Jonathan, uh, led us into battle with maybe the most defense chance I've ever heard. But I will say, Mosley in the postgame presser talked about the defense chance that he heard in the game. And I was like, well, chances are uh, our boy Jonathan started all of those, Mose. And now he's asking you questions in the interview. It's it, we were the, There was a lot of hilarious. defense chance to no avail. There was no defense in this game. 
There was none. Um, and and Jonathan, like I said, was leading them. I'm not a big like chant guy. I am so ADHD. I just lock in on the game and I lean forward like I'm playing the fourth quarter of, of 2K. Like I'm I'm just locked into every play like that. And so I, all I would hear out of my ears defense and it's only Jonathan and then the crowd joins in. And I was like, you have that moment where you're like, wow, man, I'm proud of you, but I'm not joining in on all of these. Um, it was it was like that. I mean, but you had some good backup there. There was a, I heard a lot of people. Just had to put my money where my mouth is. You know, we just like we talk and and like sometimes I feel like we almost like harp. Like if you're going to be at these games and you've been complaining about you know opposing crowds and, and blah, 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 blah. Like you have to go and yeah. you have to cheer. So it's like we say this all the time. Who am I to sit in my chair like and and, and not cheer? And it's the home opener. Like you, you mm-hmm. got to do what you got to do. And especially the fact that it was the Celtics. We know that in years past, it just becomes a Celtics home game. And you and I, with my wife, we were walking over to Amway, and there was a group of Celtics fans in front of us. They didn't realize we were rolling like 30 deep Magic fans, like right behind them. Like the mom in front of us starts to, let's go Celtics. And I was like, no, like started (laughs) screaming at the top of my lungs, let's go Magic. And we're walking underneath I-4. So it's like the acoustics is like bouncing back at us, and we just like shut it down real fast. And I turn to Luke. I'm like, that's how we got to be when we get inside. They start these chants. You got to nip it in the butt. It's got to, we got to end it. I'm so proud of the Amway crowd because every single time the Celtics started to get some momentum in years past, that would be where we lost Amway. Yeah. In years past, that's where it would just become a Celtics home game because their crowd would get into it. Our guys would lose momentum on the floor and then it's a blowout and then it's just a, a Boston tea party, just everybody celebrating. But I really think it's the Palo effect. I mentioned this at the preseason game. I've never seen so many people at a preseason game going crazy for the magic. And now we have the number one pick and all these young, exciting guys on the team. And every single time, even late into the game, until the final minute where the game was pretty much decided, anytime one of those chants would start, magic fans were on top of it and shut it down, drowning them out. I've been going to magic games for 10 years, and I've seen that happen again and again and again whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Celtics, LeBron James, or the Lakers, or the Heat, or the Warriors. Every time that we lose it, it's like you let go of the rope, and, it, and it's a it's an away game for the rest of the night. And it was the fifth largest crowd in Orlando Magic history. For some reason, somebody might be able to key me in on this, but a random game in April of 2017 against the Detroit Pistons Maybe that was like fan appreciation night. I don't remember if that's the last game of of the season that year, but that's the highest attended game in Orlando Magic history, April 12th, 2017 against the Detroit Pistons. Strange. Game two is uh, 419-19 versus Toronto. I'm guessing that's probably game three. Uh, The third game was a a game against the Heat in 2012, LeBron, and then uh, another game January of 2017 versus the Milwaukee Bucks, and then last night against the Celtics. It was just a great crowd to be a part of. Super proud of everybody. I'm hoping we can keep that all season long. Um, it's hard when you know these big market teams you know come into Amway, but uh, it was just a lot of fun. Great crowd. Yeah. Just you know, kind of wish for a better result, you know? And, and I want to add, too, that those other four games that were the biggest crowds in Magic history, those all came like later part of the year. So I starting in the, the earliest, I think, was December, December 
uh, 31st. So what New Year's Eve. So it says a lot that the magic fan base is, is starting. It feels like this season on the best note that we've really had ever in terms of fan support. Like we're not waiting until seeing if, you know, which stars coming to town. We're not waiting to see if the magic are actually going to be in playoff contention. Regardless, Owen to start and fans were still there to, to pack Amway. So like you said, proud of our fans. I think it does say a lot and it, it is probably very telling for the future of this franchise. Um, and I, I think that goes hand in hand and there's definitely a parallel there between, you know, last night being one of the largest crowds in Amway history to start the season. I think, think about when this team is in playoff contention, you're going to be setting a lot more records, especially if you've got Paolo Bancaro at the helm. I'm really excited. What were your thoughts on like like all the the pregame stuff, like the light show that they they did with like the Orlando Magic app, right. and then like the player intros? What did you think? I thought it was cool. Um, I I haven't I hadn't been able. So the last time I came to a game was Markel's return against the Pacers, and whatever that was, March February, um, when I was in town briefly. But other than that, I hadn't been to a Magic game, and really since I had moved to Nebraska. Those uh, boards, the LED boards that the players ran out, I don't know. I'm assuming, obviously, that's probably just going to be for that opening night. Have they used those in the past? Do you know if those were like a new, newly utilized thing? Not in that way. I feel like a couple of seasons ago, they did this thing where like one player would get introduced on this side of the floor, then the other uh, player would get introduced right, yeah. on this side of the floor. And I feel like they might have used the video boards then. Right. I'm not sure, but... What Luke's talking about is they set up the video boards like right near the magic tunnel vertically, yeah, vertically. So when they like they came out, it was just like you know a picture of them in the the background. And it it looked really cool. Yeah, I think that was it's that was my, the first time they've used it like that. That was my that was my favorite part. The light thing was cool for those of you guys that that weren't able to make or didn't see it. I don't know what they showed on TV and what didn't, but essentially download the Orlando Magic app and you pretty much pulled it out your phone once you had it. And you could just click that like you want to be a part of the light show for the player intros um, and every like your flashlight was utilized on your phone and it was everything was synchronized. It was cool. Um, what, what did you what were your your thoughts on the, the light intros? I thought it was a really great idea. Um, unfortunately, just not enough people took advantage of it. I think part of the issue was the fact that you're you're app had to be like completely up to date so if you didn't yeah. update it like yesterday or the day before you couldn't really use it and i was trying to update my phone in amway like we have the, i have like the magic you know you know media wi-fi so i was able to get on that but like carmen trying to download the app it was like a no-go i think anytime you have to like you're asking people to do something you're gonna have you know a, a tough time so it was a really great idea I, but I, yeah, I don't think I it think... was quite what they were hoping for because yeah. i would say like maybe 30% of the arena right. utilized it. I think that it just needed to be maybe advertised, honestly, like on social media. Right. Make sure you've got your, you know, for those attending, right? Like PSA, make sure you have the Orlando Magic app downloaded and up to date. We have something really cool for you guys at the beginning of the game, something like that. I think there should have been more of a warning. The other thing that I will say about like the lights. Was there stuff, a tweet about it? Because we've got the the noties on. I mean, I think if there was a tweet, we would have saw it. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I I completely had flying never back heard and then drying over. I'm I'm very yeah. well could have missed it, but I don't know. I don't think so. So if they did, I apologize. Uh, we love you, uh, Orlando Magic. But the other thing is that 
when it came to those uh to that i wanted to to record it but i couldn't because i was using my phone and you have to have the app fully open there's no like partial use for your flashlight that sort of thing so that was unfortunate um just because i did want to video some of it and eventually like near the end of it i turned it off but for the most part i hung with it um but it was cool i mean regardless right like synchronizing phones over an app like it makes a cool effect but you just need more people to do it um you know is what it is we'll we'll see if they kind of go to it again whether that be next season for the opener or the rest of this season or just see how they maybe perfect it i'm not sure yeah like i said it was it was a really cool idea i hope they like continue to do it so like people will kind of expect that like oh like make sure you have your app open and everything like that um the the reason I asked about the intros really in particular was Paolo Bancaro got the loudest ovation by like a wide margin. He was also like the it, feature it was, of the video. Wasn't even close. Yeah, for sure. He, he, I mean, that's why they're there. You alluded to it, right? Like that's the reason that, that you think the attendance was that high for the opener. Absolutely. If you don't have the number one pick, you don't draft Paolo. Uh, I don't think, you know, right. So, um, but I did also like that we have, we know it, right, as fans, but it was cool for the organization to fully embrace, like, Palo's our guy. You had Palo at the intro of the video. You had Palo as the last player you see on the video. He walks off the screen and it goes dark, that sort of thing. Super cool to see that Orlando is fully embracing it, admitting it, like, Palo is our guy, um, because I think it's it obviously... was the last player introduced. Yep, painfully obvious. Right. Yeah. It's very obvious that they would have made well aware. So I love that. I love that they're able to embrace it, show us as fans. This is our guy. It was, it was great. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what I hate? And this is just like a, a oh pet peeve of mine. Hmm. When players act too cool for the player intros. Yeah. Who did Like it, growing did- up, like the like the bulls introductions are like iconic. Like it's a, it's a big deal. Like to me, it's mm-hmm. a really cool part of the fan experience. And like, you'll have some guys sometimes that just like, kind of like they're getting introduced, but they don't like really do like the whole tunnel thing. They just kind of run around and do like it, call them out. Like, like the rest of the guys. I'm not calling out any of our guys. Cause nobody really had the opportunity to do it last night. Everybody right. had to go through like the player introductions. Everybody got a good ovation. You know, I said, you know, Paolo got the best. To me, Franz didn't get enough of enough of an ovation. They're casuals, bro. I guess so. That's, they didn't that's, watch. That's, your that's the only explanation. I was thinking it. You said last year. Yeah, yeah, casuals. They just yeah. know that Palo is the number one pick. It is what it is. He'll uh, as this team, as people continue to come back, 
I actually, before we, I know we're taking forever to get into this game and I apologize, but <laughs> we were walking, I was walking to, uh, I was, so after I got my wallet, I was walking back to the elevator to go back down and there was a guy with a Penny Hardaway jersey in front of me with like his girlfriend, wife, not sure. And he said to her, man, I've, I've not been to this arena. Like, I've not been to this arena yet. I went to the old, you know, the arena. I had not been to this arena. And that was when I was like, it's been like 10 years. I was like, wow. I I bet, but I bet there was a ton of people that had the same story last night. They haven't been back. Dwight left. They never came back. Some would say that's kind of fair weather ish of you. Uh, But at the same time, I thought it was like kind of cool. Like, oh, okay. Like, we're actually winning the city back. Kind of ties into everything you were saying, Jonathan. Where it's like, you know, Palo's back. They're talking about him in barber shops. They're actually doing that. They never even acknowledged the magic before. Um, so yeah, that's that was that was one of the the funny but like cool things I overheard on my way to the uh, elevator there in Geico. Yeah, well, Palo Bancaro, the number one overall pick. People are going to start coming back to the magic, and this time we just hope you'll stay. Like even through even through you know maybe the the dark times, but. Having Paolo, it feels like that's going to be quite a while. So it's, yeah. it's super exciting. Let's get into the game. So Saturday versus Boston. So, Luke, what it comes down to for me is uh, you went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league and experience prevailed. All right, This team just went to the NBA Finals last year. Uh, the teams were tied at halftime. Regardless of you know, Boston shooting the lights out in the first half, just open three after open three for the Boston Celtics. Derek White's hitting shots. Sam Hauser's Stupid. hitting shots. Jason Tatum barely freaking miss, especially in the first half. Uh, Boston outscores Orlando by five in the third. Magic down five heading into the fourth. Teams really kind of going back and forth in the final quarter. The Magic were down five with 149 to go. Uh, Cole gets called for a pretty questionable charge call. In my opinion, it should have been overruled. The Magic, uh, they challenged it. It looked like, I believe it was Derek White was still like moving his feet. Cole had already kind of gathered, decided he was going to pass. Uh, but collides with Derek White, I believe it was, and they, they called the charge. It was just such like a bang-bang play. And then when you go back and you look at the replay, to me it was obvious that he was still sliding. Um, Tatum comes down the other end right after that, so it's a five-point game. He hits a three, pushes the lead to eight. Uh, then the Magic are down six with 41 seconds to go. Magic get a rebound. Cole comes down the other end, wide open for the dunk. Unfortunately, misses it, and then the Magic are forced to foul. Uh, again, you're down eight, 41 seconds left. The other team has the ball. You basically have no choice but to foul. Uh, Boston makes their free throws. Really, the rest of the way, that's the story in this one. Magic lose 126 to 120. Luke, what were your thoughts? Um, first, I hate that Cole Anthony left the taste in our mouths that he did at the end of that game just because he did have such a good game leading up to that dunk. Um, he had 14 points on, you know, six of 13, two of five from three, like just felt to me like there was never a play that he had made really up to that point where I was like irritated with Cole, um, which can happen sometimes, honestly, when it comes to Cole Anthony throughout the game in general, but it didn't like last night, he played a great game. He has, he has played some great games to start the year here, um, has avoided doing too much but also understanding like how hot he is in the moment, what shots he can take. Um, we've seen that so far through these couple games that he's been able to play. So 
that was kind of my my one thing that I wanted to say was that I hate it that it ended like that last night for him with the missed dunk. He Mosley was asked about it in the post game presser. You know, what do you tell Cole in a situation like that? Uh, do you tell him just to lay it in? And he was like, no, I just tell him to to like, yes, sure. Like lay it in. But most of all, just finish it. Finish the play. I feel like that's so easy to say, like after the fact. Right. And I'm not, you know, trying to say anything about you know, Coach Mosley here, but the crowd was rocking at this point. If Cole dunks that, like the momentum is completely, you know, swings towards Orlando. I mean, the, the momentum in this moment was, was the... basically there. You were down five, right? Down so that, five, right, that makes so it to three. Is what you, I'm saying. Yeah. You make that dunk, you're down three with 40 seconds to go. You need to stop in a bucket at the other end, and all of a sudden, like. You, right. You've got a chance to win this game at the end. So yeah. I feel like, sure, it's easy to say, oh, just like lay it in. I don't know if that was Cole's thought process. Like, yo, if in, I yam this, no, this place is going crazy. In no universe in that atmosphere, in that environment, and the, the script of the game going how it was, in no universe is Cole Anthony laying the ball in. The man no was in a dunk contest. Like, and how many times have we seen him make that, like, punch that dunk easily? Right. And like what times. I was going to say, like, Regardless of performance in the dunk contest, he willingly took it. He's a guy that likes flair. He likes to do the extra thing, get the crowd going. He plays to the fans. We've seen his interviews. It is not in his DNA to lay the ball in. And I honestly, like, I would be shocked if he ever did that on in such a, a pivotal moment of the game. Sucks that he missed it. But like you said, how many times have we seen him punch that in? Um, so it's really hard to be mad at Cole. I am very irritated at like the the scenario that it played out. That like that's the time he misses. Um, but is what it is, man. Uh, at the end of the day, Jalen Brown looked awful in the first half. Um, I like this trend of star players looking bad in the first half against us. You had Trey, and then you had Jalen. But unfortunately, like you know, where where the Hawks had John Collins, <laughs> the Celtics had Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum is disgusting. I will say, I don't think I have seen Jason Tatum in person yet. After last night, he just stupid. It got to the point where like in the second half, I was like, I I was clenching when Jason Tatum caught the ball. I was like, man, just make him give the ball up. Please force him, you know, beat him to the spot, close out quickly, get the ball out of his hands. Anything he put up, I think it's going in. This is one of those games where you really miss Jonathan Isaac. Not saying he's going to like shut Jason Tatum down, but the Magic right now they're just missing like a a guy that can really like guard in space. Like Franz holds his own. I think he's just being asked to do so much offensively right now um, that you know he, he just he can't do it all right. Like he can't be the guy to bring it up. Can't be the guy to score all the points. Guard the other team's best player. It's like a little bit too much for him right now. Like Jonathan Isaac would have done. A, a lot in that situation, I think, and I and I was mistaken. It was a six point game when Cole missed the dunk, so it would have okay. been a four point game. But still, four points, forty one seconds. Like you get a stealer, you get a stop, you make a basket, and you know at that you make point, a three. You know, and then even if the team, even if the Celtics make yeah. both their free throws, you're shooting a three to win to tie the game. You want to put yeah. yourself in that position, regardless. Sucks that he missed the dunk. Can we talk about Terrence Ross? We can definitely talk about Terrence Ross. Dude, what? I mean, 29 was points. that, bro? I, we know Terrence is capable of these sort of things, these games. He has played out of his mind for the standard I had set for him based on last season. 
just three games in, I'm already like, I'm already on board with Terrence Ross in general this season. Um, just talk about a guy that like you, a shot went up and you're like, yeah, it's in. I don't even have to see it. You know, it's going in his elbow jumper, like his mid range last night. Incredible. Um, let me see what, what did he, he was what? Uh, 11 of 16, 11 of 16, five of eight from three. My only complaint, Jonathan, is that he did not touch the ball or shoot the ball. I should say down the stretch as much as he did in those you know first few quarters he looked incredible and ends the game with 29 i just would have liked to say like like i'm saying anytime he shot the ball you felt like it was going in there was uh the cole anthony uh rebound near the end of the game where he kicks it back out to t ross the defense is in a scramble and scramble mode and t ross just gets that three to hit you know, to, to, you know, lessen the margin. T Ross missing a shot, putting it back up. Like there was, I think a time where he missed a three, maybe got a rebound and they kicked it back out to him. He shot it again. You just knew he wasn't going to miss twice. And you know that in the situation, you just missed a three. If you don't think you're absolutely making it, you're probably not shooting that next three. T Ross puts it up. I'm like, Oh, I don't even like, it's absolutely going to go in. (laughs) That's just how it felt, and it was awesome to see him do that in person. That's definitely a performance from him. I won't forget anytime soon. A- aside from him maybe getting attacked defensively late in that game, offensively, I couldn't have asked for anything more from him to start the season, and especially against Boston last night. Yeah, Kevin Kevin mentioned like how it was a waste of an offensive performance. Like 29 points from Terrence, yeah. 23 from Paolo, 18 from Franz, 15 from Wendell, 14 from Cole. Good for 120 points for the Magic. I don't know how many, how frequent it's going to be for us to reach that mark this year, but I guess time will tell on that end. If we want to get like kind of dark here for a second, oh, if boy. we if we just take away like one performance from each of these games, this season is really looking bleak. You take away Terrence's performance last night against the Celtics, we get blown out. You take away Cole's performance against the Hawks, we get blown out. You talk, you take away Jalen's third quarter against the Detroit Pistons, we get blown out. So like we just have these guys getting ridiculously hot in these games and keeping us in the games. That is a little bit concerning. I mean, maybe you get one of these each night. Coach Mosley's talked about how they're going to do it by committee. One night it's going to be Cole. One night it's going to be Terrence. One night it's going to be Jalen. One night it's going to be Paolo and, and so on and so forth down the line. And maybe uh, that's what we're seeing take effect here. Just one night, one guy is going to get ridiculously hot and save your butts and keep you in the game. You could tell me it's Terrence Ross every night that's going to do it. And after what I've seen so far, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He has shot 6.7 threes a game to this point. Obviously, small sample size. Three games in, shooting 45% from three. I uh, I don't care. I rejuvenated Terrence Ross. I jokingly texted you guys last night uh, during the game, and I said, question. Would you rather Paolo Bancaro or a rejuvenated Terrence Ross? Last night, Terrence Ross was just filthy from anywhere. Yeah. I can't express it enough. I know I'm repeating myself. I don't care. I haven't been able to really talk about his performance yet. Um, it, I I love Terrence Ross right now. I, I've always loved him. Last year, he was frustrating. But this year, if this is what we're getting... 
I don't think, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to shoot 45% from three, but I will say, I think he can be the shooter. He was a few seasons ago when he, what was he shooting? Like 38, 39. Um, I think that's what it was, right? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, 38%. He's been close to 40 the last few years, yeah. 38% was his highest uh, recently, 2018-19. 38% on seven attempts a game. Right now, 45 on about seven attempts a game. So I think Terrence Ross absolutely can do that. I think he's thriving. I'm really impressed and you know, kind of accepting this new role. He's just been awesome. If you look at like all the team stats, like this was really like the Magic essentially played the Celtics even. I mean, they missed eight free throws in this game, which you know you make even seventy five percent of those were heading to overtime. You know, if you make make seventy five percent of those uh, eight misses that you had on the night, so uh, I think the Magic ended up like what was it like sixty percent? Uh, yeah, sixty five point two percent from the free throw line. Fifteen of twenty three. You can't have that. You get to the free throw line. You've got to make your free throws. Paolo Bancaro was great, 9 of 11 from the floor. Um, the way that he's getting to the free throw line has really just been remarkable. I know we're going to talk more about that as well. Um, but, you, like, you just look at it. You, like, Magic stats you know, versus it. the Boston Celtics stats. You know, they're tied points in the paint. Um, you know, Just talking about turnovers. The Magic had nine turnovers last night. Definitely their best game by far, just in terms of taking care of the basketball. Uh, it just came down to really like Jason Tatum, you know, making shots, and and we just couldn't couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter. Like quite frankly, I, there was a Paolo was trying to force some things, rightfully so. The kid was making you know difficult shots and, and big shots the entire game. I think there's definitely something to what you're saying with Terrence that he maybe didn't touch the ball enough down you know the the stretch of that game. But you know Cole makes that dunk you know with forty something seconds to go, and you're you're right in that game. So. Super frustrating, you know. As a fan, I know it's frustrating for the guys. You could definitely sense that in the the post game, especially from Mo and from Paolo. You can tell that he just desperately wants to win, which is a great thing to see. But um, yeah, I mean, three games all really basically down to the wire in some in some sense. Just got to keep fighting, you know. We we saw this team resilient all year long last year for eighty two games. I'm not really all that worried that they're gonna you know give up at this point in the season. You got a, a big game coming up tonight you know, against the Knicks, uh, but but yeah, I mean you lose to the, the team that went to the the NBA Finals last year. You can't beat yourself up too much about that. You really took those guys to the brink. Yeah, and also I want to say I don't think, and I know you don't think this either. I don't think these lot losses, whether they pile up or not, are really going to get these guys down. Solely for the fact that like we saw it last night, we've talked about it, we know it. Paolo Bancaro is the number one on this team. And I think his attitude and his play will really get the guys going and be to be productive. We saw it with Terrence Ross. He talked about it at media today, right? Like Paolo comes on this team and he just feels like you get the number one pick, you get Paolo Bancaro, you're all of a sudden rejuvenated. It all hinges on Paolo Bancaro. And that is a lot of pressure on a guy that is as young as Paolo is. But I say this, and the reason I can confidently say this team is not going to get down by these losses Little things that I'm seeing, in, in, like Paolo, he posts a picture on his Instagram story um, on Sunday, and with with him being helped up by Dell, supported by Franz getting up from the ground, with the caption, "Stay consistent and keep learning; it's going to come." And so I, I just feel fully confident 
that Paolo's going to stick with it. He knows how good that he can be. Maybe he doesn't know. But we know how good he can be. We know he's hungry. The team is just brought back to life by Paolo Bancaro in general, but their attitude and energy, they already had good chemistry. I am not one bit worried about losses affecting this team's morale. Um, does it suck for them? Absolutely. Losing is not fun. I don't even like losing in video games. I can't imagine losing in my job as much as these young guys have had to lose. Um, so yeah, with that being said, I'm not worried about it. Um, but I'm, I'm proud and I'm, I'm happy that we have Paolo kind of leading this team, at least right now on the court and vocally it'll come, but, um, I think he's already on the right path. Paolo had a uh, he had a turnaround jumper earlier in the fourth quarter. It was a one hundred to one hundred two. Blake Griffin on him. Uh, he's got him on like the the right baseline on our side. We were pretty close to this, and it was like a fifteen foot turnaround jumper, nothing but net, right in Blake Griffin's face. That is the level of shot making that we have not had since Tracy McGrady, and to be able to do that at you know six ten two fifty, it's just like. Well- even though I thought we were going to lose to Boston going into the game, it was just like, we have Paolo, we have a chance. And I feel like that's going to be the case every night. I, on that play real quick, before we kind of shift here to, to, you know, obviously talk about Paolo Bancaro some more. Because <laughs> um, why not? But Paolo in that bat, when he was backing down Blake, I was like, I was reminded how big of a dude Blake Griffin is and how strong he is. You could tell Paolo was trying to feel out if he could maybe spin, you know, work it into a spinning around Blake and getting to the rim in the post. But Blake was just he was just bouncing off Blake, bouncing off Blake, like three attempts to kind of put his shoulder into Blake. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to be good. Like he's going to Blake had stripped him earlier. Yeah, exactly. And, And Paolo had just been stripped quite a bit last night in terms of ball going off him, that sort of thing. Um, which we can talk about later, but yeah, I, but then he turns it into a turnaround jumper and hits it. And I was like, that was, that was great. That was, that was good defense, better offense. As they say, that was ridiculous. How many like instances did we have last? Cause you were a row behind me in like seven or eight seats down. How many instances did we have? Just like turning to it straight. Like, let's yeah. go, yeah. let's go. There must've been like fun. 10 or 12 of those last night. It was really a fun time. Even it was, though we lost. It was really fun. Shout out to my guy, <laughs> Terrence Ross. Again, we did it a lot on some Terrence three pointers that hitting just, the mellow three to the domes the, on some Terrence or some Chuma. Okay. threes as well. That was tough. a good time. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk specifically about Paolo Bancaro. So just to kind of to recap his week. So we talked about, you know, all the great stuff from his debut, you know, matching LeBron in some numbers, being on list with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, you know, LeBron James. So after the game, yeah, very impressive. <laughs> after the game off Friday, so he became the first number one overall pick to record 20-point games in each of his first two two career games since LeBron James. So again, Another stat where you're matching LeBron James, always a good thing for you. And then after the game Saturday night against the Celtics with his 21 points, well, once he scored his 21st point, I'm sorry, that was with uh, three minutes, 19 left in the fourth quarter, he became the fourth number one overall pick in NBA history to score 20-plus in his first three games, joining Elvin Hayes, um, Oscar Robertson, and Walt Bellamy. Elvin Hayes and Oscar Robertson, I just want to throw this out there. doesn't mean anything. Both are NBA champions. I just want to say that. 
And Walt Bellamy was a multi-time all-star in the NBA. So early returns on Paolo, pretty good. I've got just a couple of other numbers here for you, Luke. So far, he is 12th in the league in free throw attempts per game. Not for rookies, 12th in the entire league in terms of getting to the free throw line. He's second in rookie scoring with 23.3 points per game, just behind Ben Matherin, who's scoring 24 points per game, who's been going crazy. He's first in rebounding amongst rookies, 8.7 per game, and he's second in rookie assists, 3.3 points per game. He's averaging 23.3 points per game on 41% shooting. Uh, the three-point shooting, 23%, definitely some, some stuff to be desired there. Got it going a little bit last night, uh, but he's shooting 80% from the th- from the free throw line, 8.7 rebounds, three assists. Uh, he's got 3.3 you know, turnover, so it's a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio right now. And he's averaging two blocks. For a guy that couldn't defend, he's uh, blocking or a block. lot of shots early on. It wasn't just defending. like He legitimately wasn't a shot blocker like that much at, at Duke. I want to say off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say it was like 0.8, 0.9 blocks a game at Duke. I could be I'll off. I'll let you know in a I know it wasn't here. one, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for a guy that couldn't defend, couldn't block shots, he's looked pretty good so far. I uh, I have not had an issue. Point nine. Look at you go. Look at, at me Duke. go off the dome. So, yeah, I yeah, I think that that you know, Paolo obviously is providing a lot more than we expected defensively. He's already in great company in terms of a lot of his historical things. Getting into a league of his own in some regard. What ESPN put out, you know, they're obviously some somewhat vague, but it still means something. The first teenager, you know, to have those, you know, 23.3, 20 point games at that stat, like there's a lot going for Palo. We know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's awesome. Uh, now, there are some things left to be desired right now. He's just kind of getting a handle of the game in general. Um, he's a rookie, folks. He is a rookie. He's he is still 19. He's a rookie. He's got a lot to figure out, but it's incredible that he's already doing this. I don't really care about the efficiency. Like he's still leading a team into very competitive games. You're not getting wins right now. But Blake Griffin even had a quote about Paolo uh, after the game last night talking about reminds me a lot of what people said about me when I was younger. The sort of the the once he learns the ins and outs, he will be. Listen, we think the Palo will be better than Blake, but Blake did go on to say that that once he learns the ins and outs, you know, really like the the sky's the limit for Palo Bancaro, that sort of thing. It's just nice to hear positive quotes about our guys, really. In the end, um, but but yeah. So um, I had a total brain fart for a moment. I thought you were talking about yourself, not quoting Blake Griffin. Oh, like you thought pa- I was saying Palo reminds me. <laughs> A lot of, of myself, what like, people told me when I was minute, when God. I was in my first years in the NBA. Um, once I <laughs> learned the ins totally, and outs, that is totally my fault. That's and a, grow that's a few a inches. One up. It's over. It's yeah, over for yeah. sure. That's my bad. That's my bad. That's yeah. that's why I, I thought it was. Like, I thought a it was a little bit disrespectful from you. I was like, I mean, Blake no, Griffin, Blake was, Griffin good. was legitimately like was an MVP great. candidate for a yeah. few years. No, Blake Griffin was awesome at his peak. Absolutely. No, no disrespect to Blake Blake Griffin. Yeah, you just thought I was talking about myself. I was disrespecting you. I was disrespecting you. Yeah. Hey, disrespect would be warranted in that scenario, so I <laughs> I welcome it. But uh, but yeah, so it just it is great to to hear positive things from players like Blake, who have, you know have have the stature in the league that they have even at this point in their career, the respect that Blake has in this league. 
Um, awesome to hear him talk about him. I will say, and Paolo talked about it last night, and I was glad that he did, talking about like his turnover issues. Um, one-to-one ratio right now is just a turnover, like you said. But the ones that don't count as turnovers in the box score columns, but they probably should, is the ones where it gets stripped off him, hits his knee, goes out of bounds, other team's ball going the other way. He had a few of those last night. Um, like where he's going up for a shot attempt, you mean? Right, where he's making his, he rips through, he's going to the rim. He's just not using all that strength we know Paolo has. He's more finessing at that point, but these are grown men. You're not in college anymore. Like these dudes are swatting down, doing whatever they want to to get that ball loose. You're allowed to be a little bit more physical. There's going to be more contact. So I don't think Paolo has a problem with contact. I think he has a problem with ball security. Um, so you as a Giants fan, I know you understand that with Daniel Jones. Uh, ball what security, in the so. hell? <laughs> Daniel Jones, you are not going to disrespect Daniel Jones, who has been fantastic, phenomenal. I was going to bring up the Giants. They're 6-1. <laughs> yeah, Daniel's turned the ball over like <laughs> twice, maybe three times the entire year in seven games. I was saying... This is ridiculous. Blake compared him to his younger days. I'm comparing him <laughs> oh to Daniel gosh. Jones' younger days. A little more ball security. That's all I'm asking for. All right. um, but yeah, that's really my main takeaway. I know the efficiency is going to come. You just need Paolo to become more careful with the ball. It just got to a point where I was almost worried about him driving into the lane, which is ridiculous because of how good he is to get there. But the lack of ball security, honestly, like was very much scaring me last night. Anytime he went to the paint, because you saw it. The Celtics saw the trend. They're like, hey, man, Paolo goes in the paint. Swipe down. It's going to come off. It's going to go off his knee. It's our ball. It happened a few times. So that was really the main negative last night. I don't mind Paolo taking the four threes on the front end. I don't hate that at all. He talked about that as well in the presser, right? Like just saying they were giving it to me. If you're sagging on the pick and roll and your pick and roll coverage, I'm shooting it every time. So I had no problem with that. His efficiency is going to come. He's had some terrible efficiency here to start six of 18 a couple times, I think, from the field. But yeah, just ball security. I mean, for a guy his as young as him and you know, taking the volume that he has, yeah, you know, 41%. You know, we last year we would have been, you know, pretty happy with a few of our guys on our team shooting 41%. So with that volume, think, too, especially, right? Yeah, that volume is for certain. I think, you know, give it 20, 30 games, he's going to figure that out. They're going to be drilling that with him constantly on you know, practice days. So, like you said, the kid is plenty strong. He's going to get that figured out. Luke, I want to I ask, like, right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of confidence that Paolo is going to become an NBA superstar? I don't think I can answer this without being biased or so it's a 10 uh, that's where i'm at good i'm 100 certain it's it's a 10 man like it, it doesn't it doesn't like there's i there's nothing you can tell me right now nope <laughs> nothing like you said being Don't trusted bother. with the shot volume he was the number one pick the pressure with being the number one pick he's already living up to it you have people talking about this dude after every game for his performances ability to get to the free throw line which is huge. Especially he's getting for, star calls already. He's you're right. He's getting star calls. I think he's, part of that was like you said, the Celtics kind of strategy, like just swipe down. Yeah. They were doing that. And it's like, all right, well, if you don't hit the ball, you're hitting me and I'm at the line. Right. So, but and Paolo knows that. Right. And, and he gets it. 
he is so good at getting the free throw line, like you talked about with where he stands right in the league as far as free throw attempts. He's so good at getting to the line. Um, he's his efficiency is going to come. He's still because of his ability to get to the free throw line. This doesn't happen without it. He's averaging 23 points a game right now, three games into his career. Obviously, a long way to go. But is it ridiculous to say? I think that once he figures out his percentage, like once he gets his efficiency down, I still think he's averaging over 20, and I don't think it's going to be hard. The um, it, you were on with oh, you're gonna have to help me out here. You were on with somebody that covers the Knicks today, uh, Nick of the time. Nick of time. Yep. He talked about it. He already is aware. He said it in the show. You went on there to preview the Magic Knicks game. Uh, y'all go check that out on YouTube. Um, uh, the Nick of time. Uh, or Nick on time, what'd you say? Sorry. The Nick um, of time, yeah. The Nick of time. Or Nick so, of time, something like that. All right, you, yeah, you yeah, put yeah. that in YouTube, Y'all it's going to figure it out. Up. He's going to come up. We retweeted um, it. Yeah, Go to yeah. our Twitter. But he said, which is crazy, he said, Paolo's giving us 20. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. we know that already. <laughs> and I was like, do you? Uh, Julius Randle. I guess. I mean, I know. I'm. I think so. It's just crazy that opposing fans already are picking up the fact that like this guy's dropping twenty, even if he shoots ten percent from the field, he's gonna get to the free throw line. <laughs> that's that's hyperbole, but he's getting to the free throw line. It just the dude gets me so excited. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to call him, you know him, that guy, the next goat, what whatever the case is. Like I, I'm just so excited for this kid. I, I mean, we, we I knew the shot making was there. But like the turnaround on Blake, like that is just that's special. Like that's the confidence uh, to do that too. The confidence to take that, the confidence to come into a team that already has like good established players in the league, at least somewhat established, you know, Wendell, right, Cole, Franz, and yeah. like, you know what, I'm I'm taking, you know, eighteen shots a game. Like that speaks to his level of confidence. And like if you just look at like the greatest players in the history of this league, they make shots like that. You know, whether it's Steph, whether it's KD, whether it's LeBron James or or Luca or Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like they hit shots like that. Like you have no business taking that shot, but guess what? It it's going in anyway. And, and I think because you are like that, right? Exactly, you are Hemothy. But my also my point is, you take a shot like that, you you only take shots like that if you know, even if I miss, my team's not going to give me crap about it because I have their respect. Unless it, you're Dwayne Bacon. Listen. <laughs> All right. That's that's true. But to my point. I, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. But to my point, you know that the team is not getting mad about at Palo for taking these shots. They understand. They know what's going on. Like they get it. They know what it is. They know what it is. This is this is num- numero uno. This is the face of the franchise for years to come. He's taking that shot. He has confidence. You have confidence in him talking about his teammates. You know that if I take this shot, I miss this shot. My team is going to say, that's Paolo. He does what he wants. Like he, We we trust him. He does what he wants. He does what he wants. Yeah, the rookie does what he wants. But really, does he not? He does what he wants. So it's uh, – I think he's – go ahead. I, no, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the good thing is he seems very team-oriented still. For sure. But he's still willing to take that – what I would have considered before he took it a ridiculous fadeaway shot on Blake Griffin, who just was daddying you when you're trying to get past him in the post. And then just to take that shot after he's probably in your head of like, dude, this guy's strong as an ox and to still take that shot, man. I just, I can't say enough, man. I could talk this, this podcast could go two and a half hours. We were already at a hour 
15 plus. So let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Looking at the week ahead, you guys are listening to this on Monday. The Magic take on the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden at 7.30 Eastern. That game is also going to be on NBA TV. And then on Wednesday, they're playing the Cavs in Cleveland. That's at 7 o'clock Eastern. And Friday, they're home for Charlotte. Uh, They'll play that game at 7 o'clock. But then they're back on the road Sunday at Dallas at 7.30 Eastern. Luke, uh, we had our predictions last week. Uh, We were both completely wrong. Um, (laughs) We didn't win anything. You said one and two. I said two and one, I believe. And uh, yeah, Uh, so we're zero and zero in terms of our weekly predictions on the year. But what do you think for this coming week? What do you what do you think is going to happen with the Magic? So I was looking through these games. Schedule is going to play a big factor for me in these predictions, um, but also team quality. I, I think I look at this week ahead and I'm like, based on what we saw against the Hawks and the Celtics, I think that we're going to have a shot almost every night in general, right? Regardless, because don't get me wrong. We'll probably get blown out a few times, but every team gets blown out a couple of times a year. Yeah. Magic yeah. might be more than a couple of times, but yeah, it, it should to, not be as bad as it was last shout year. Shout out to the Grizzlies who lost by 40 them, but to the Mavericks speaking of, um, but <laughs> I look at yeah, this that and cut I to say, Luca was, was great. Yeah, no, that was incredible. <laughs> Iconic. Uh, I'm going to say Charlotte is a win. Okay. I'm gonna say, hmm, I'm gonna say you go. This sucks. I'm gonna say you go one and three, and and Charlotte being being your win. I could see the Dallas game being closer than anticipated. They have are gonna be coming at, um, out of a back to back. They play on Saturday and then play on Sunday. So I'm I'm gonna go with one and three with the win coming against Charlotte. Who do they play on Saturday? Uh, who does Dallas play the on Saturday? Mavericks. Um, let's see. They play the Thunder. Well, is that really a back-to-back? I mean, <laughs> kind of arguable. But anyways, I I say we're going two and two. Um, we play well in Madison Square Garden. Cole Anthony gets up for these games. So he's going to be at home. Mom's birthday. You know, he's got to he's got to show out for that. I, Terrence Ross. I know he loves playing in Madison Square Garden as well. He's been shooting the lights out so far. I have no reason to think otherwise right now and the stars always play well in madison square garden it's paolo bancaro's first time playing in msg and the nba so just super excited to see what he brings to the table and again you know that was amway north last year you know we, we beat them we didn't lose in, in madison square garden last year so i'm going to take the win uh, against the the knicks and then also the charlotte hornets so i've got us going two and two Beat the Knicks, lose to the Cavs, beat the Hornets, and then you'll end the week on Sunday with a loss to the Dallas Mavericks. You know because they're they're pretty good. I like your prediction, which would put us at uh, uh, two and five instead of mine, which would put us at one and six. I really don't want to be one and six, <laughs> so I would love to be wrong here. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. All right, let's go ahead and end the show here. Just want to remind you guys of the Patreon giveaway. Again, if you are entered, uh, if you're already an existing patron, you're going to get two entries. Uh, If you are joining the patron between now and Wednesday at 7 o'clock Eastern, you'll get one entry, and that is the first place prize will be assigned Tracy McGrady jersey, and the second place prize will be two tickets to two separate games, one to the Hornets game on Friday, October 28th, then the other Kings game will be on November the 5th. Again, this is going to be open to our Hall of Fame and all-star tier patrons. Make sure that you guys find us at patreon.com slash the six-man show. 
But for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.